And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE. Good morning. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off. It's you. And me. All right, just uh, very briefly here. I mean, the story that uh, came out yesterday about the the fact that the the whistle the UFO whistleblower. Actually, it's not a UFO whistleblower. You know, we still can't get it straight. UFO means unidentified flying object. If they're saying the United States has recovered UFO remains, it's not unidentified if they recover the remains. That would be an alien spacecraft at that point, not a UFO. So before we get into whether there's any legitimacy to that or not, we need to at least define words. Now, I know we live in the time, this day and age, where we redefine everything. We redefine all the words. Up is down, down is up. Left is right, right is left. He is a she, she is a he. You can be whatever sex you want to be. Oh, I got to find that audio. It just reminded me of something, an audio cut. I saw an audio cut yesterday. This is Dr. Phil. It was, I think it was in the last month. There was a fifth grade teacher on, and, and, um, uh, it, you know, and they had you know, advocates for the uh, liberal, radical, transgender activist movement that were uh, were there, and he said, no, sorry, uh, you know, chromosomes decides, you know, what it is. This fifth-grade teacher was just unapologetic. It's like, well, no, sorry, I mean, it's, it's just not the case. It's not. It's science. Well, there's more to it than science. It's like, well, actually, there's not. <laughs> you may think you are, but what you think is not reality. And then they, then, and I got to play this because it was great, because they said, well, uh, sex and gender are different. It's like, no, 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 you, you forgot. You can't go back to that argument anymore. And you can't go back to that argument anymore because you believe that biological males can be biological females because they said so. And 
This means that they should compete against biological women in sports because they're actually biological women. You can't have it both ways, and they're still trying to have it both ways. The one thing about it, and I know I'm jumping from topic to topic here, but the one thing about it is I think that the the one thing that's lost in this that has amazed Eric and me for the last decade is that the argument from the radical transgender activist movement, liberal, throw that in there too, is such a weak argument. It's like if you tried to come up with a weaker argument, you couldn't do it. But getting back here to the whole, you know, UFO thing, you know why I doubt the story? Because, look, every whistleblower may not be credible. There is no way that if UFOs, excuse me, that if extraterrestrials existed and we had their bodies, as the whistleblower has uh, has said, that Trump wouldn't have told us. I rest my case. <laughs> Trump would have told us. And he would have told us by now. Because, see, that'd be the first question I would ask Trump now. Hey, the whole... The whole extraterrestrial story, the alien story, true or not? Because then we're getting right back to, and we're not far away from it, we're getting right back to Independence Day. Remember where the president didn't know anything and that for decades upon decades upon decades upon decades, we had known that extraterrestrials, and very mean ones too, we had the spaceship. We had the aliens. Remember they had the alien in, in formaldehyde? It was like floating around. And so they knew, but they kept it from the president. Every president they kept it from. Who were they? Deep state. <laughs> and so that's that's why. So that'd be the question. The question that they need to ask. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, know, you, you need to ask Robert Kennedy Jr. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, uh, come on. You know. Uh, yeah, you know. Your family's been in politics. Do we have, are the aliens here? Are, are we in a they live? Well, you never know. Maybe I'm an alien. Because if you've ever seen the movie They Live, remember. The media was loaded because when he put on the sunglasses, remember he was looking at the anchors and the anchors all were those ugly aliens. So, well, either Eric or I might be the alien or both. Or we may be one of the few media outlets that is alien free. The aliens have not yet taken over Red Eye Radio. So there you go. All right. <laughs> like some of the responses I got on uh, on Twitter today when when uh I saw the uh the the golf story out there and I went, "All right. Does this give me the excuse to talk about golf for 5 hours straight?" Some some said yes. <laughs> Others said no. Actually, it's much bigger than a golf story, and we'll get into the specifics of it here in a little bit because it is about our relationship with Saudi Arabia. That's what it's about. And, you know, sometimes as a society, we look at things that 
were penny wise and dollar foolish. As if the, you know, live golf, and if you don't know the story, the PGA of America, you know, they, they, the, uh, the uh, Saudi investment fund uh, funded their own golf tour, live golf. And, uh, you know, there were lawsuits and, you know, going back and, you know, uh, uh, forth. And you had people like Mick Mickelson and, and Dustin Johnson signed for millions, hundreds of millions of, uh, of, of dollars. And, you know, Saudi Arabia wishes to, uh, and the royal family and the crown prince after the, you know, Khashoggi murder that was tied right to the crown prince wishes to improve their standing in the world, and they figure one of the ways that they can do it is is golf. And so there's been, you know, the big back and forth going on it. As for watching it, I can't, you know, I I just, I wanted to see what, uh, you know, I'm in the media, so. <laughs> but, so I turned on. I couldn't watch five minutes of live golf. The music just drove me, you know, it's, and it's a pet peeve of mine that just isn't related to golf. It's for all sports that the screaming and the yelling, I started talking about uh, the NBA a long time ago. How, and, and I believe the reason is, is because the NBA is really popular in all liberal cities. And how it used to be where, you know, you had the organ that would go, and you knew when to cheer. And then it got to the point of, the NBA realizing that so many of their fans were liberals that they had to instruct them what to do because the fans were too stupid to understand what to do at an NBA game. And so you have the public address announcer who is screaming and the music is blasting. And then they would tell you to cheer, that it's time to cheer. All right, let's get up on your feet. Let's, you know, and just screaming at you with music blasting in the background. And they told you it's time to cheer. Why, you know, <laughs> time to cheer. When to cheer. <laughs> Why to cheer. And then chastise you for not cheering. Come on. How come everybody isn't up on their feet? So the last NBA game I went to was probably, I'm going to guess, 2007, 2008. And I just said, done. I don't want to be screamed at. I'll never forget. I was there with a date. And the announcer is screaming that it's time to stand up to cheer. And this was a Dallas Mavericks game. And I went, nah, nah. I'm looking at, <laughs> and God bless her. She's still a great friend of mine today. She looked at me, come on, everybody. Go, no, I'm not going to do what they tell me to do. I paid a lot of money for these seats. So when I turned in, I don't even know what it was. It was about a month ago. There was some tournament going on, and the music was so loud on the, you know, where they're, they're putting. The music was so loud. I went, no, I come to watch golf. I don't come to, I don't come to hear music. Nobody's playing golf at a music concert. So don't do a concert at a golf tournament or a basketball tournament. <laughs> but I think the, the focus here as a society is completely wrong. You know, you've got this public investment fund 
from the Saudis that's got billions of dollars that they're investing in a ton of different things in in the United States. And we're worried about the whole golf part of it. But the fact is, we have the ability to really uh, soften the influence of Saudi Arabia on the world by producing more oil and natural gas, and we won't do it. So we scream and yell about the Gulf, which really isn't going to make any difference. The problem is it's all being funded by Saudi Arabia that's laughing at the United States because we won't produce energy that we have where we did get to the point a couple of years ago where we had a much bigger influence on controlling the price of oil. So we'll get to more specifics on that coming up here in a little bit. Just reading this. Woke, uh, woke targets $15 billion stunning collapse should be a warning to CEOs. That's uh, Kevin O'Leary talking again uh, about what uh, companies should uh, should do. I saw also that Bud Light, what is it now, 24% since last year, and they were looking at some of the other light beers that are way, 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 way up in sales. And you think about it, you get through the summer, because, you know, we had Memorial Day, and I don't know. I don't know if beer drinking goes up during the summer in the United States or whether it stays level throughout most of the year. Uh, but if you go through the summer and it stays that low, you know, I, I look at how long it's lasted already and say, is it permanent? And then you've got Target now. You had hundreds of LGBTQ groups come out and say, either put everything back or we're boycotting. It's like, wow, what a mess. What an absolute mess there. So we will get to uh, that. Nothing on the nothing. We've heard nothing yesterday from Republicans on what I thought was a bombshell story. Nothing. No update. Nothing. Could I find yesterday? I've gone through. I, I put into Google. I searched. I couldn't find it. Maybe somebody had it out there. I didn't see it. I watched the Republicans press conference uh, yesterday from uh, from Congress and nothing on the story. Not and, and not even from Democrats saying that's not true that the FBI is worried that the informant uh, in the Joe Biden, uh, uh, you know, uh, bribe document uh, that the FBI fears for his life. There was some discussion on it, but there was no new information. And no Democrat came out and said, that's false. That isn't true. And that's just mind-boggling to me because that was a huge bombshell. Nothing on it. So... And I didn't see any reporter asking that particular question, which I think is the question. Is this really true? Does the FBI really believe this? And so that's just really, really weird. So, like I said, we got a great show um, uh, coming up here today. What else do we have? Well, you saw where New York City Mayor Adams said, okay, time to uh, uh, people to house migrants in their private residence. It's like, whoa. So that and more coming up, plus your calls and comments. Great show ahead, 866-90-RED-EYE. Every driver knows the cost of replacing tires is a major expense. What if you could save on tire costs without sacrificing performance or safety? Consider retreads, a sustainable, cost-effective way to rack up your miles. You may already know that retread tires offer a cost savings, but what else do you know about them? You may be surprised to learn that more than 80% of all aircraft tires in the U.S. today are retreads. 
From fighter jets to school buses, retreads move some of the most important cargo across many industries. They can also help you move your load, too. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off. All right, all right, all right, all right. This, this, I, I have to. Uh, th- this, I've got to play because it's just. Oh man, it's just. Uh, it's just mind-boggling. All right, this is Pete Buttigieg, and he was asked the 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 question uh, on um, on MSNBC uh on uh, laws to protect girls from being forced to compete against biological males in sports and where this comes from all right listen to this that that the the uh the blowback against the radical transgender activist movement why is it happening according to Pete Buttigieg are you ready for this here we go. Well, our country is at very real risk of backsliding on freedom and equality, but that is exactly why we continue to push. There has been extraordinary work that's been done just in this presidency, uh, certainly the president being able to sign uh, the Respect for Marriage Act, for example. And if you zoom out to the progress that's been made in the last 10 or 15 years, uh, including the ability of somebody like me to be standing here doing this job, it's extraordinary. And yet now you see the attacks on the LGBTQ community, especially on the trans community and what they are going through. And, uh, you know, I think it's being done out of uh, a perception that it is politically convenient to target vulnerable groups. And and honestly, I think where it largely comes from is uh, folks who don't want to talk about why they were against the infrastructure law that's building the roads and bridges. <laughs> God, what an idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> You can't come up with a better argument 
that the the reason the reason that critic uh, that people are critical now of the <laughs> radical liberal transgender activist movement is because they don't want to talk about why they were against the infrastructure law. <laughs> I wish Eric was here. I need to share. I need to share this laugh with him. Oh God! <laughs> I'm sorry. I. <clears throat> All right. Let me let me pull it together here. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's it. Yeah, there's no other reason. There's no other reason. I, you know. I can't I can't come up with a reason why biological men shouldn't be playing sports against biological women except for the fact that I can't explain why I was against the infrastructure law. That's it. I can't explain it. I don't know why I was against the infrastructure law. So what am I going to do? I I I, I was against the infrastructure law, but I can't defend it. So uh uh, uh transgenders, you're bad. That's yeah, that's that's it. That's it. Thanks, Pete Buttigieg. Thank you for putting that into perspective. I'm so glad he was able to explain my position and many of our positions on the radical transgender activist movement. <laughs> oh that was almost as good as when everybody was yelling at Biden yesterday and you couldn't it was just they're just yelling at him. And even the live thing got in there, the whole golf thing, the live thing. He just said, he just blurted out, I plan on playing in the, I plan on being in the PGA. It was just like, what? <laughs> can, can anybody on the left make sense at all? All right. We'll continue. Good morning. Red Eye Radio. Hi, I'm Eric Harley. Hey, join me this Thursday through Saturday, June 10th for the 41st annual Shell Rotella Super Rigs at Camplex in Gillette, Wyoming. All the details are at redeyeradioshow.com. And good morning. Sorry, didn't have my microphone on. Uh, <laughs> thanks for uh, uh, being here. Uh, so, the... Uh, relationship with Saudi Arabia because that's what the whole live you know PGA thing is uh, is all about and if you just uh, tuned in right now the uh, uh, the professional golf association you know which is the American golf tour uh, the DP golf tour which is a European golf tour and uh, live which is the Saudi Arabia backed golf tour have now merged what does that mean for the future I don't know uh, you know why they did it I don't know Law, was it lawsuits? I don't know. I I don't know why they did it. Was it was it money? Probably. Um. I 
the uh, from a personal level first because everybody will say, well, what do you think? Would you would would you have joined it if you were a golfer? No, I would not have joined Live. It's the same thing as if the Saudi uh, fund wanted to back this show. I wouldn't do it. You know, that's me. I wouldn't do it. Do we? That here's the question. Do we, in order to promote our own self-interest as a nation, do we get into bed with dirty players at times, and is it necessary to do so? That's the question. The The answer is depending on the situation, because this goes all the way back to World War II, where we, in a de facto way, became allies with the Soviet Union even though we knew we disagreed with them. Saudi Arabia and the U.S. backing Saudi Arabia in the Middle East, whether you agree with it or not, you have had every presidential administration and the majority of Congress believe over the last half a century that it is in our best interest to do business with them, to sell them weapons, because we view them as less dangerous than other countries over there. And so the question is, when you look at a country like Saudi Arabia, when you look at any type of monarchy, dictatorship, whatever you wish to call it, is what is the best way to influence change? Because that would be your goal. Your goal would be to influence change. We're not going to go to war with them. So how do you influence change? When you look at over the last 15 years, for example, with Saudi Arabia, what are some of the signals that came out of Saudi Arabia? I'd say it was, what, a decade ago when the crown prince came out and said he knew it was going to happen. He knew what the potential of the United States was and the natural gas and oil boom. He knew it. The royal family knew it. And they stated it publicly, we have to diversify our economy. We cannot be reliant on oil alone. We can't do it. And why? They saw what was happening in the United States. They probably saw, you know, natural gas explosion and oil explosion also in other parts of the world, like Russia. But the big monster, really, because of the potential and the private enterprise capitalist system we work under, is that if that was uh, allowed to be let go, that the United States would become much more of a competitor to control oil prices. And that if you look at the history of the world when it comes to markets and competition, that if the United States was allowed to do it, boom. Saudi Arabia becomes less relevant. They have to diversify, which means if you diversify, you have to do world trade, which means if you do world trade, you have to be more tolerant of other cultures. That's just the reality of free trade. And you would also take away 
their ability to do what they're doing right now with the Saudi investment fund. The United States had the potential to take away hundreds of billions of dollars from Saudi Arabia if we went after our own natural resources. The Saudis look at us like our other enemies and go, you people are just the biggest idiots known to mankind. I remember, in, this was back a couple of years ago, there was a story about talking to people in, in Great Britain and experts, energy experts in Great Britain going, what the hell's wrong with the United States? You have all this, you have all this natural resource that can make you even more powerful in the world. And if you look at the United States, for the most part, the United States is a good influence on the world. If you look at all the other countries that we would rather have a ton of power, we'd rather have the United States have that kind of power. And so after the Khashoggi murder, the reporter, the American reporter murder at that point that was tied back to the Saudi prince, a lot of people said, well, we can't do business or we shouldn't do business with Saudi Arabia. And so golf, really the live PGA golf situation became symbolic about, all right, what is the moral right thing to do? And I understand. I understand it. And I'm not going to get into what the players individually thought. I mean, that's up to them and their, you know, their own personal moral judgments. I already told you what I would do, but that's not really the point. The point isn't what isn't what I would do or what they do. It's the big picture of how is it possible? What are the better chances to moderate a country, to moderate a country and at the same time take away their potential influence on the world from the bad things that they do. And it goes right back to energy. And if we in this country wish to commit economic, energy, and national security suicide, other countries will attempt to enact influence with the money that could be American money that becomes Saudi money. So if we really cared, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have people coming out screaming as we saw yesterday about this merger. And to me, it's penny wise and dollar foolish. We have the ability. We absolutely have the ability to tap down the influence of Saudi Arabia in the world and at the same time, make them diversify their economy where hopefully, nothing is a guarantee, but hopefully if they, if they have to diversify, and remember, the royal family even said it, we have to diversify, which means we have to, they were stating it, which means we have to become more acceptance of other cultures. They were saying it back 10 years ago. Well, now there's no reason to do it if they can make tons of money. We saw what they're doing right now. They're cutting back more on the oil because they know that the Democrats and the liberals are attempting to commit economic energy and national security suicide in the United States. They go, why not try to influence? Wall Street Journal had a great editorial today about all the things that they're using money, what they're buying in the United States because of it. And that is we are helping the Saudis. We're worried about golf, 
We're worried about the pennies over here while the real dollars of energy production and making the United States so much more stronger in the world. And it's like, eh, whatever, we don't care. Because we're going to be wind and solar and we're going to run our entire economy on wind and solar. So the delusion that we have here that the left has in this country, the delusion makes Saudi Arabia more powerful. And, you know, that's it. As to the actual golf uh, tournament, uh, you know, the live golf tournament, like I told you, I, I find it unwatchable. Other people didn't. You know, hey, there's a lot of things you may watch on TV that I don't watch on TV. I can't. I just, I, I couldn't watch it. The music just, you know, just bothered daylights out of me. And I could care less about the team concept. They talked about that, the team con. I don't care. To me, golf's an individual sport. I want to see the individual personalities win. I could care less about team golf. So, but, but that's, again, that's, you know, there's, for me, though, in general, you know, over the, you know, with the NFL back a few years back, I stopped really watching most sports. Even golf, I probably watch the majors. I just don't watch it anymore. So I'm probably not one to, you know, be the perfect example because I've, I, you know, as to, you know, what people like or what they, you know, they don't like in it because I just don't, you know, I play it. <laughs> it's the last thing that I have left. Uh, and, you know, I've talked about the fact that I'm taking lessons now. You know what I like? My uh, my instructor, Keith, I took a lesson yesterday. And uh, he's just, I just love how he's on my case. And at times, you know, I looked at him a couple times. I said, you know, I'm not 25. <laughs> Turn your body, do this. <laughs> but I like the fact that he is, and he gets on my case. When I'm not, I mean, he'll credit me when I do things good because he gave me a couple tips on the driver and I was killing it. I was killing the driver yesterday. Uh, but uh, on just other things that, you know, trying to do. And I just love the fact that he thinks, he believes I have a lot more potential on the golf course than I ever did. And it's just because you think, you know, in your age, when you're 60s, you're like, well, and he just believes I have a lot more, you know, by working on it and, you know, that I have a lot more talent, which is just great. But, um, so I love the I love the sport of golf. Absolutely love it. But uh the live golf as to were they a powerhouse television wise? No. Their television numbers were horrible. Their ratings, their tel number of people watching it was horrible compared to the 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 PGA. So I can't tell you exactly why they did it. Uh but we will find out and I don't know what the format is going to be but like I said I've been watching a lot less of all sports uh, it was funny because the other day I was like did somebody win the Stanley Cup 10 years ago I'd know exactly what was going on in hockey and I was like don't because I love hockey so yeah hockey I used to play hockey basketball body starts breaking down <laughs> golf <laughs> but I worked my butt off not a, just on the lessons but preparing I mean swimming resistance training uh, and I do it for two reasons so I can do the show so the show doesn't kill me doing this overnight and so I can golf and when golf is done I'm going back to playing the piano <laughs> that's my goal just so you know but yeah I, I think this is sort of a thing where the focus you know we can control 
we can control our destiny, and at the same time, we can moderate the influence and power of Saudi Arabia, but we refuse to do it. But we start talking about the stuff that's penny-wise and dollar-foolish, and we go crazy over that, and the big things sit right over there where we could have much more influence on our relationship, and we refuse to do it because we live in a delusional world of alternative energy. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off. Coming up following uh, the top of the hour, Chris Christie is uh, now uh, in. We'll get to uh, that. The Here's a headline. The Great Migration Continues as More Americans Flee to Florida and Texas. And this was an analysis done by the Bank of America. And they said that the, you know, post-pandemic, it's still continuing. The migration is still continuing at the same level or greater levels outside of blue states to uh, to red states. And, you know, this is something that that I think a lot of people were wondering, will it continue? Was it the pandemic or was it the cost of living? And if people are still moving right now, what is the specific reason for it? And I can tell you, it's, you know, like most things in life, it's uh, it's it's money. So we'll get to that and uh, more on the uh, radical liberal transgender activist uh, movement. Another uh, biological female, a teammate of Leah Thomas, has come out and uh, gone public as to the pressure that was put on them by college management out there to uh, to toe the line uh, on it. And uh, there's something else. Uh... Oh, um, there was another story there that I wanted to get to here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The the uh, cable that shows Biden allowed Afghanistan to collapse. I mean, there's no new information now. We knew it, but uh, just more evidence uh, of it. All that and more coming up. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off, so it's you and me. (laughs) What a day. Again, it was one of those days where I started the show saying, I'm not ready. And it's not because there's not enough materials because there's too much and you don't know where to start. Uh, uh, This couple of headlines just from uh, yesterday, Bud Light experienced another week of sales declines, dropping 24% 
from a uh, year ago. Bud Light continues to face backlash from consumers. Saw another seven-day period of declining U.S. sales in the last full week of May for the week ending May 27th. Uh, the Nielsen IQ data uh, that uh, Bump Williams Consulting provided to Fox Business showed that Bud Light posted a 23.9% decrease in sales on a dollar basis compared to a year ago. Anheuser-Busch uh, brand sales have fallen 24.5% in the past uh, four weeks, ending uh, with that one, according to the uh, uh, data. Um just looking to see an end. Uh, I was reading another story that was talking about the other beer brands that are actually up and significantly up. And you're looking again. Okay, it's not because people are drinking less beer. It's because they've actually changed. Then you know the story of uh, of uh, of Target, their market cap. Uh, you know, uh, dropping was it 15 billion now? I think it is. Uh, the other story: 200 now LGBTQ groups demand. Target restock all the Pride merchandise, even the one, even the uh, merchandise for children. Uh, no such thing as neutrality, and you know it's just it's a mess for those two companies. And as we've said, we believe many boards are now absolutely panicking. The other story that came out, you know, Target supporting uh, groups that wish for U.S. demilitarization. Uh, you know the uh, the. Uh, uh, taking down of Mount Rushmore and all that. And you you read this stuff, you're just like, wow. Uh, Kevin O'Leary uh, from uh, Shark Tank, an investor, has been talking a lot about this, how this is affecting uh, boards now of major companies. He was on Fox News last night and was asked about, you know, what's the future bring now for all of these companies? The future brings a complete change in the thinking of corporate America, particularly S&P 500 public companies. The stunning collapse of target market cap is almost unprecedented for its own stock in 20 years. How this happened is being scrutinized by lots of other boards right now. And it's discussion that's going on every day with institutional investors. On one hand, companies want to show their support of diversity and all the mandates that society is discussing openly. On the other hand, the job of a business, particularly from the perspective of an investor, and those that are retired, for example, that own the S&P 500 or own target stock, are concerned that maybe they're losing their way in terms of what the prime objective is. Your customers, your employees, and yeah, your shareholders. And so if you start to get too distant or too far away from the primary mandate, the market has proven itself to really, really punish you. And it's woken up all kinds of boards. You know, th this is actually displaying the power of something most board of directors never thought about, social media. This happened, look at Budweiser Light. It took decades to create the American beer and exactly 32 hours to destroy it. So when you can't control the message anymore through social media, which is clearly obvious, you better figure out what message you're putting out before it ever gets out there. We almost need a new committee on boards. We have, you know, committees for risk. We've got compensation. We've got compliance committees. We need a communications media committee to advise the rest of the board who don't even have Twitter accounts or don't have Facebook or don't use LinkedIn. that never understood how the power of this works to understand the risk inherent at what they're doing. How about the board just has a little oversight for the diversity officer? 
and maybe reads that the diversity officer is funding the destruction of Mount Rushmore and says, you know what, um, Meredith, we're going to have to bring you in to talk about this Mount Rushmore destruction plan that you're funding. How did they not see that? Because this is a relatively new mandate. <laughs> Diversity officers are, are new to boards, and they sound like a great idea. But even if you have committees for charities, and many corporations provide support for the Red Cross and other charities, every time you get into a mandate like that, it's scrutinized all the way up to the CEO. When you're shifting and allocating dollars to different charities, the CEO generally knows about it. This has not been happening with the diversity officers and they're going on their own they think they have a mandate and they do and they're given a budget and they go to work now obviously the ceo of target i'm going to guess i'm speculating when i say this did not know that they were funding the destruction or, yeah an or, iconic right or kevin maybe they found out that they were funding the destruction of mount rushmore and they were too scared to can the diversity officer well, that, those are two different items. Obviously, a diversity officer, officer that's doing their job and staying within the mandate they were given, because I don't think you're going to find a lot of people saying, oh, let's not have diversity officers. I think that boat sailed. But what they do with their budgets now really matter. And the risks they're putting the company into because of the power of uncontrolled social media right. is obviously measurable. When you lose $11 billion of market cap, there's a lot of unhappy cowboys out there. Yeah. They're Wow. Um, I'm still am amazed because uh, when you we talk about the radical liberal transgender activist movement in this country, it's something that Eric and I have been fighting for over a decade. And we saw it coming. And if you're a long-term listener to the show, you know there are two things that we had said over a decade ago, and that was that it would, that it would destroy feminism as it has, we've seen the split there, uh, and that the LGB would eventually come to regret tying, you know, uh, you know, their future to the radical transgender activist movement. We had played yesterday the uh, the audio cut from a number of of people that uh, belong to the the group uh, Gays uh, Against Grooming, and they had said, you know. Pride is dead to us now. The whole pride concept is gone because it's been taken over by the radical transgender activist uh, uh, movement. So, you know, we saw that coming when you got to the, you know, when we got to 2015, 2016, I believe it was, when the whole locker room thing came up and you had this defense of it and we just said, the public isn't going to go along with it. Uh, uh, there's two things. I was amazed, and I think Eric was too, how long it took for people to finally say, okay, we've had enough. And, and I think you saw it, you know, uh, starting with the whole Bud Light situation. But the Bud Light situation surprised me. I didn't think that that incident is what was going to set it off. In my opinion, I think it shows that this has been simmering, you know, un underneath the radar for a while. Because this came out and then the target, and it's just boom. And you have, you know, we had played Pete Buttigieg before, but he even, he even admitted 
This is about the transgender activist movement. And he calls them, you know, it's a you know vulnerable, marginalized, uh, you know, demographic. That's not why it's going on. It's not why it's going on. Anybody in any family, anybody who has any friends of and somebody who believes that that they are, you know, uh, the wrong sex understands that there is something deeply concerning there. There's a lot of compassion. The left is trying to say, oh, you just don't care. You just don't care. You just don't care. You just don't care. Well, I think most of us care. Any demographic that has a 25% attempted suicide rate and the mental condition of any human being that's going through that. What the radical transgender activist movement, and we saw it, and this goes uh, last year uh, in the congressional uh, uh, hearing that was uh, was done, and it was Josh Hawley who was asking questions, was actually on the abortion uh, debate, and he was talking to a University of uh, Berkeley professor. And he said, you said persons who get, you know, persons who get pregnant. What do you mean by that? It's, you know, are you saying that, you know, women get pregnant? not men, women. And he said, are you saying that that isn't true? And she wouldn't answer the question. What she said was, was that his line of questioning was transphobic and his line of uh, questioning uh, is, uh, you know, is violent. And he goes, what are you talking about? I'm asking questions. I'm trying to figure out where you're coming from. And he goes, doesn't matter. It's still transphobic. It's wrong. And it's wrong because when you ask the question, you have to understand, and this was her argument, is that 25% of transgenders attempt suicide, and you're adding to that by questioning what I believe, which, of course, is an absurd statement to make. And as I said to start the show that we were going to be you know, talking about this, among other things, I said the thing that always amazed me was the argument was so weak. The argument that biological men should play against biological women from day one was horribly weak, horribly weak. The other thing that the other argument, and there's a few other arguments, uh, that um, uh, you know you need to enable the thought process or the immediate thought of anybody who believes that they may be you know, a different sex that you must enable them or otherwise they commit suicide, will attempt suicide if you don't agree, you know, with their delusion. They may think they are, but they're not. That is also an extremely weak argument. And then the other thing, and I saw it again yesterday, I'll, I'll try to find the audio cut, uh, of the fact that the radical transgender activist movement initially started by stating the fact that gender and sex were different. Well, they lost that when they said biological males should compete against biological females. Because at that particular point, what you're saying is that a biological male is a biological female because they say so. And, and so that blew that argument. And they're trying to use both arguments now. They're trying to say, no, you are, and therefore you should be able to compete against a biological female. And at the same time, they're trying to sell that gender and sex are two different things. All of those argument points are extremely weak. And like I said, the last one, one argument counters the other argument. They're trying to hold 
two separate diametrically opposed arguments to defend their position. But when it comes to companies now, you know, you're, you have it now with, uh, uh, the story there and we'll get to it here in just a minute. The, the headline 200 LGBTQ groups demand target restock pride merchandise release a statement. There's no such thing as neutrality silence. You know, this is going to be the next thing. They're going to demand that every major company or every company they go to tells them what side they're on. And if you say we're not getting involved in it, then you're just as guilty. This goes back to the whole thing that silence is violence. That if you say, no, we're just going to sell our product, they're not going to let you do that. Now, it's tougher to critique someone if you haven't taken an opinion. We're going to boycott them because they won't say. Eh, that's a harder one. But still, they're going to attempt to do that. 86690-RED-EYE. Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. And pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay per mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay-per-mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay, mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley. He has a morning off. I'm Gary McNamara. I am uh, here talking about the radical transgender activist uh, movement. Uh, you know that uh, Matt Walsh came out with that movie, was it uh, What is a Woman, uh, last year. Well, anonymously, a teammate of Leah Thomas had come out uh, uh, in the movie last year, and apparently she was willing to come forward and actually go public here this past week. Paula Scanian is her uh, name, and she talks about, you know, when the whole thing was going on, uh, about how the college, the management of the colleges, you know, what they were telling the women, the biological women at that time. There was something going on in that athletic department that wanted to keep us quiet. And I was like, this is getting scary. Did you ever find out what was said to this? Uh, Not directly, but it was two days later that they had that formal meeting with us. And notably, Leah was excluded from this meeting. They said, don't talk to the media. You will regret it. Uh, Is that a direct quote? You, yep. you will regret it? Yep. 
Uh, another thing they said is Leah swimming is a non-negotiable. Um, and then they provided us with counseling services to help us be okay with um, to help us be okay with Leah swimming. This 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 is pretty you know it's it's pretty startling actually. Oh, it's incredibly startling. Being on a team, you want to be supportive, right? Your your job as a teammate is to support your teammates, and that's kind of the biggest thing people had issues with saying is, you know, even if you don't agree with Leah swimming or on the women's team or whatever, you have to be supportive, and that's what teammates do. But I think back about you know all those all those scandals that like what about um, Lance Armstrong and the cycling teams, right? Do you think Lance Armstrong's teammates were supposed to be supportive of doping, right? So it's there's comes a fine line. It's, yes, you support your teammates, but if you see something unjust and something wrong, you can't be quiet about it. And that's I think that's what was missing. It's of course I support my teammates. I support them in all things. But if I see something unjust, I need to speak about it. What what if anything were you guys? saying to each other about all this? Were you commiserating about how outrageous and unfair it is? Or was it a feeling that you can't even talk about it to each other for fear of punishment? So prior to that meeting, I would have one-on-one conversations with pretty much everyone on the team. Say, hey, like, you know, I don't think this is right. Yeah, I don't think it's right either. Um, Another teammate actually said to me, I think Leah's record should have an asterisk. Or someone said, I think Leah should compete exhibition. Or, you know, I don't think this is going to go on for much longer. Like, someone's going to step in and end this. And I had these conversations with so many of my teammates. I would say most people on the team had this opinion. And then after that meeting, they really scared us. It was scary. And I, and I was petrified. I went home that night, and I called my brother on the phone, and I said, can I even talk about this with you? Like, am I, is there something wrong with me for thinking that this is wrong? It, whatever, like, it worked. The university wanted us to be quiet and they did it in a very effective way. Like they continue to just tell us that our opinions were wrong and that if we had an issue with it, we were the problem. And it's frightening and your future job is on the line and everything else you want to accomplish. So of course it worked. And then after that point, no one would talk about it anymore. Exactly what we said, the misogyny, the sexism of these colleges the radical transgender activist movement and the Democratic Party where it's mainstream, the misogyny and sexism and the femophobia is, you know, there it is right there. We're going to scare the hell out of you. If you don't, if you say anything, we will destroy you. Wow. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind the scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the uh, morning off. <laughs> uh, we did uh, text each other uh, yesterday when uh, <laughs> when the whole golf thing uh, came down. 
And then I put on Twitter, oh, this means for five hours I can talk golf. Always finding an excuse. It's like, no, no. Uh, but uh, he uh, is out the uh, the rest of the week. And uh, it's me and you. 86690-RED-EYE if you'd like to uh, get in. You know, we had played that audio cut from that uh, Paula Scanian who uh, uh, was a teammate of Leah Thomas. And now she has come forward in public as – has uh, Riley Gaines, and she was talking about the intimidation where it was made clear, you know, to them. And this is from the college that you don't talk about this. And she said, we were scared. We were scared we would lose everything. And this is where we stand uh, right now. And I know that on the left, they will talk about everything except what the actual argument is. And the argument is whether, you know, biological males are biological females, and they are not. And since they are not, they should not compete. End of story. If you hold that opinion, they'll say you're transphobic. Phobic this, phobic that. Fine. We'll return the fire. You're a bunch of misogynist, sexist, femophobes. All right, now let's talk and have a discussion on the actual merits of it. Did you see where that Great Britain uh, male soccer team played the women's soccer or the women's U.S. women's soccer team? And they beat them 12 nothing. Shots were 39 to 5. Now, everyone knows it's absolutely ridiculous. But think about it. Think about the how how immoral and evil it is to basically threaten. And I was telling Eric yesterday, you know, these are 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22-year-old women. Young minds still developing. And you heard her saying, you know, here are these, you know, and these are, you know, this is the, this is the management of the college. You're wrong. We're right. To the point of, and this is where the whole brainwashing comes in at a young age. Because even she was saying, where am I missing it here? Can I talk to my brother? Am I wrong on this somehow? I don't see where I'm wrong. This shouldn't be happening. You're wrong. We'll destroy. And you're so wrong. We'll destroy your life if you don't agree with this. Think about that. Think about how immoral and evil that is. Think about how immoral and evil it is because the whole thing really revolves around, and I'm actually Pete Buttigieg when he when he talked about the fact that you know this is actually an attack on the you know marginalized uh, you know transgender uh, portion of the LGBTQ. He's right on that. This is not about. And and you had uh, you you've had others try to make the case that you know that this is about oh it's a it's an attack on the the gay community. No, it's not. This isn't even an attack on 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 gay marriage. It's got nothing to do with it. This is a radical transgender activist movement, which is why you have gays against grooming coming out and saying this is reprehensible. We're done with the pride movement. 
So there's two points that they're bringing up here. Men should compete against women, and if you're against it, will destroy your life. You're a young woman, will destroy you if you dare to tell us we're wrong. That's what's coming from these Ivy League colleges. This is where liberalism has led. Liberalism has led. And remember, the Democratic Party, the National Democratic Party, is 100%, from what I know from the last vote on the equity bill, 100% behind the fact that men should compete against women, and if women complain, their lives should be destroyed. Tell me one Democrat that has stood up and said that this is absolutely reprehensible. Did Manchin? I don't think of Manchin. I don't think Manchin has even said it. But you're thinking, you know, maybe a Manchin or a Tester. But I'm talking basically the House had voted 100% for because we actually went through the voting for that months, months back when they had that uh, when they had that vote for the equity bill. Think about that. That is how radical the Democrat, the National Democratic Party is. I know that a lot of you Democratic voters don't agree with it, but you're voting for it. And I'll say it again because I think it's important to repeat it over and over and over again. This is what the issue is about. The Target issue, Bud Light, everything else. It's about the Democratic National Party and liberalism and the radical transgender movement, which is the mainstream of the National Democratic Party right now. Men should compete against women, and if you don't like it and you're a woman, if you don't agree with it and you don't celebrate it, will destroy your life. And the other part of it is young people, children, we wish to, we wish to expose to sexually explicit content, and we want to tell them at a very young age that if you're a boy, you can be a woman, if you're a boy, you can be a girl, and if you're a girl, you can be a boy, and allow them to make the decision to commit private part mutilation. This is really, these are the two major issues that are involved here. And so they can't defend it, and so they say, this is an attack on the LGBTQ, it's the intolerance. No. Defend those points I just brought up. And when they try to do it, well, they're taking away the civil rights of children. That's a pretty poor argument. And, you know, and, and I don't think that the, uh, <laughs> if you go back to the bathroom argument from the Charlotte Observer back a, a few years ago when they went, when they said, well, Girls just have to become used to male genitalia. I don't think that probably cut it with most people. I'm just sort of guessing there, but, you know. And that's the other thing, too, when we talk about the locker rooms and, and all that, that women have no right to privacy at all. Think about how misogynist that is. It's unbelievably misogynist, and they are absolutely blunt about it. 
And so what happens what happens now? The fight just the fight continues. And this is where Republicans have to be louder on it and Republicans have to get to the actual point. And that's what we do here on the show. We get to the point. What is the actual argument about right now? What do Americans see as incredibly radical? And that's what they view as incredibly radical. And so when somebody like Buttigieg, as we played his audio cut earlier, said that, well, this is, you know, uh, this is an attack against the LGBTQ, but really the transgender movement, which, of course, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's being honest. I'm like, okay, where's he going from here? But the reason that they're attacking this marginalized community is because uh, they can't defend the, uh, you know, their argument of why they were against the infrastructure bill. What? So he started out with the truth and then realized he couldn't defend the transgender movement. So what came to his head? The dumbest, well, one of the dumbest remarks. I this is Buttigieg we're talking about here. One of the dumbest remarks he's come out again, uh, come out with. Well, the reason, the reason that they're going after this is because they can't defend their opinion, and they can't defend their argument of why they were against the infrastructure bill. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Glad you figured that one out. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens now because you have it right here. More than 200 LGBTQ groups angered by Target's decision to pull Pride merchandise from shelves are demanding the company denounce extremists and restock the Pride merchandise in stores and online. They released a statement asking Target and other businesses like Anheuser-Busch to reject and speak out against, here we go, LGBTQ extremism going on into Pride Month. So what they view as extremism is if you're against child mutilation and you're against biological men playing against biological women and then threatening the women who choose to object to it that they will destroy their lives. If you believe those two things are wrong, they believe you are an extremist. It is absolutely insane. But they did say, these groups, there's no such thing as neutrality. You can't be neutral here. You cannot say, hey, we're just selling our beer. You need to have an opinion or you're the enemy. They're making it clear now. You must support biological men playing against biological women. You must agree to threatening those women that we will destroy your lives. And you must, you must agree with the fact that children who believe they're transgender as children should be able to commit mutilation of their private parts. That's where these LGBT groups stand at this point. Understand what their argument is and the perversion and the evil 
and the misogyny of their argument. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off. Coming up following the top of uh, the hour. All right, where are we going with the uh, $5 million bribe document uh, here? And uh, earlier in the week, uh, it was implied that uh, they might uh, call uh, Director Ray, the FBI director, uh, to testify before Congress. That doesn't seem to be the case now on Thursday, they're going to start, you know, whatever the proceedings are to hold him in contempt of uh, of, of Congress. Still yesterday, another full 24 hours has gone by, and still all of our questions have not been answered by Republicans, have no idea why they're not answering the questions that we want answered. Um, they're very easy questions, you know, to answer, and nobody's asking them the question, but we think that they should be promoting these things. So we'll get to that coming up following the top of the hour, plus uh, the great migration continues even post-pandemic. Really interesting uh, figures out there. I think it was Bank of America that uh, did the analysis on it instead. People still moving out of the blue states to Texas and Florida. So uh, that uh, coming up. On the whole thing with the radical transgender activist movement and corporations, uh, it will be fascinating to see what happens to major corporations and what type of turn they take. Uh, I agree with uh, Kevin O'Leary that there's panic in these boardrooms. They don't know what to do. And now they're being told, you know, you've taken these positions before and now you're going to go neutral. Well, you know, we'll just, we'll pound on you. To me, I, I, you know, if, if you've already been involved in it, I would simply, if you were to be involved in it, I would simply come out and say, we're for equality for all. We disagree with children being able to decide. This is where we would disagree. This is if you've been involved in it. We disagree that children should be able to make the decision to commit private part mutilation, and we don't believe that biological men should be playing biological women in sports. That's mis- And the, the intimidation of these women is misogyny and it's sexism. That's if you've got involved in this already and shown your support behind the LGBTQ. That's the advice that I would give because you're not going to lose. You're not going to lose that with the American public when you explain the specifics of what you are against. If you haven't delved into that territory, wow. Probably what's best to do is talk about the product that you're selling. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. 
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around our planet Earth. And maybe even inside extraterrestrial craft. <laughs> I, you know, I did see the Republicans, uh, the, Re- the Republicans of the House were asked that question yesterday. And it was like, well, I haven't seen the specific details on it. But, you know, in general, whistleblowers, and this is where the whistleblower has come out and said that uh, we have retrieved extraterrestrial craft and bodies inside that are non-human. And as I said to start the show, the only reason I don't believe that is Trump would have told us. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I just love that. I love that story. Uh, but um, eh, lost my train of thought there. I had a train of thought going and now I can't remember what it was. I hate that. Don't you? Uh-oh. My cognitive abilities... No, 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 but we've, we've all done that. But I just, I love that, uh, story yesterday, uh, with the, uh, whistleblowers and the, uh, the extraterrestrial craft. Now the thing is, so grammar, stop it. They're not UFOs. We have, (laughs) we have actually found the crash UFOs. Well, they're not unidentified. I mean, you may not know where they came from, but you have them there. You know they're extraterrestrial, so you've identified it to that particular point. I guess the point is, does this whistleblower have any credibility? That's actually what you're trying to get to, right? And, but they seem to ignore that. Oh, I know the point that I wanted to get to. This has been a beef of mine. You see it in sports all the time. And I, and I want, I, if anybody in D.C. is listening right now, I want to know why in this advanced nation where, you know, I'm, I'm about to upgrade my smartphone. Eric just did it. This thing does everything in the world. We've been to the moon. That used to be the, uh, the other standard. We've sent a man to the moon. Yesterday, I'm watching the, the Republicans speak. I can't hear any of the questions. And it happens all the time. It even happens. The volume is way low even in the in the in the White House press briefing room. Why? And I see this in sports events all the time. A general manager from a sports team will hold a press conference. Nobody can hear if you're watching it on video what the reporters are asking, what question they're asking. And the same thing happened with the Republicans yesterday. And I'm not saying just the Republicans. happens with Democrats, too. You can't hear the questions. We're talking about basic sound and basic microphones placed in the right area. And then you can hear the question. Why can't we get that done? What the hell is the problem? It's only audio. We're not even at you. You've got the high-definition video. It's super high definition, 8K, 16K, 20K. You can see 
every mark on their face, every pimple, every hair out of place. But when it comes to the questions to the report from the reporters, well, yes, I'm glad you asked that question. What's the next question? Yes, well, what is the problem? We have the technology. I'll say it again. We sent a man to the moon. <laughs> wow. 54 years ago. Over a half century ago. Those radio communications <laughs> were collected better. Now, I will admit, I did when I did watch the moon landing, I remember I was at Boy Scout camp. And you could hear the audio, but the video was horrible. And the TV I was watching was all ghosty. And, and uh, I remember I was at Boy Scout camp, and we gathered in the lodge to, uh, to watch it at summer camp. And I couldn't I, – I, I didn't see the outline was so blurry on the TV we were watching, but you could hear the audio. Now it's the opposite. We have this incredible, you know, you know, a video that we can look at now. And then I think about it because I have a, I have, you know, one of the, what is it? The 8K OLED TVs and I have a Sonus surround sound system, 5.1 surround sound. I was talking about that. I don't watch sports much. The only reason I'll watch sports <laughs> God is my witness <laughs> because this thing has so many speakers and it has the two back speakers are wireless. So you can, you know, really adjust them, but you can adjust everything on this. I mean, it's as perfect sound as you can possibly get. So we have the ability to have perfect sound 5.1 surround sound to the point where I was watching a baseball game and it means you're hearing five different basic, you know, audio coming. And they had apparently one microphone, you know, near the batter and the other one in the outfield. And so when the pitcher pitched the ball, you heard it hit the mitt twice. It's like, okay, you got to correct that part of it. I can't watch a whole ball game. But I love watching sports just because if you're watching sports and they're broadcasting it in 5.1 surround sound and the new HD 5.1 surround sound, you hear it, it's like somebody go, you're a bum. I've, I have turned around thinking there's somebody in my kitchen. That's how good sound has become. Yet in these press conferences in Washington, D.C., I mean, why can't we have a, a 32, uh, $32 trillion and uh, $250 and that $250 debt, that $250 portion of it, just to get good audio for Congress or for the president so you can hear the damn questions? And you sports leagues, the NFL, all the time. <laughs> yes, well, uh, this is what I thought about when I threw that pass. I can't hear the reporter. It's not that hard. And it really got frustrating yesterday when they were asking questions uh, to the, uh, you know, to the Republicans in Congress. And I want to find out, you know, I was when I was up early and I'm like, okay, what's going on with this whole thing with, you know, with the, uh, the, uh, the informant here and the fact that the FBI believes that, uh, he will be killed 
you know, if he is unmasked, uh, I want more information. I want more information. So I'm like, okay, they're speaking on it. Here we go. I couldn't hear. I did not. I could not get the volume up loud enough to hear the reporters' questions to Steve Scalise and others yesterday. Couldn't hear, couldn't understand. And I'm like, why? What's the problem? Or is it that everybody in Washington doesn't want the reporters' questions to be heard? <laughs> we get much less flack if you only hear one side of it and you don't know what the – I can see the White House – no, we don't want to hear the reporters' questions because if we don't hear the reporters' questions, then the audience doesn't know that we're lying with the answer because they haven't heard the question. So there's my little beef. What was I watching the other day? It was I was watching some movie, and the only reason I stuck with it was because, oh, oh I know what it was. I was, I was just going through the channels, and the outlaw Josie Wales was on. Now, I don't know if it was in 5.1 surround sound, but I stayed with it for about 20 minutes just because the crickets. The crickets were like surround sound crickets. It was like, wow. I mean, that was that movie was done in, what, 75, 76? And I'm like, wow, that's excellent sound. You can hear the crickets. The crickets are in surround sound. <laughs> yes, I have no life. <laughs> but I'm just happy at this age that I have my hearing. I've been in radio for 41 years, and I can still pick up those kind of sounds. That in itself is like, whew, okay, my hearing hasn't gone. Thank goodness I got out of music radio such a long time ago. Hopefully, you know, saved my ears uh, that way. But So there's my beef for today. Could somebody in, in D.C., could some Republican, if you're listening right now, please get back to us. Why can't, why can't you get the technology with all the technology we have today where when you're doing a press conference, we can hear what the reporter is saying? What is so tough about that? Why does that seem to be an impossibility in this day and age? Legit beef, isn't it? I mean, that's a legit beef. You're our elected representatives. I should be able to hear the question from reporters. So, uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, all right, coming up, uh, we will uh, we will talk more about what I want to know. This all all the none of my questions were answered yesterday on the whole FBI thing. Uh, it's all even the interviews that are done. It's like, well, this, uh, and, and I'll play it, even John Ratcliffe talking about it. I have some audio coming up from uh, from him, former director of national security on Fox Business with Larry Kudlow yesterday. Uh, we'll play this here in a little bit. He, um, you know, they, they basically talk about, yeah, it's a very serious concern, and it's a serious concern because of all the FBI things and the scandals that have been going on and the things that, well, I know that already. Tell me what's going on now. Give me an update now. There's so many questions about this. I don't, and it seemed yesterday that what the Republicans were doing was saying, yep, this is really serious and we're going to start uh, uh, proceedings. And you have to understand there's a pattern here in the FBI. And I know there's a pattern, but give me the new information to let that story hang out yesterday, which was a blockbuster and hung out all day yesterday, where Representative Luna came out and she, uh, I 
she, I believe, when I read her tweet yesterday, made it clear that, again, that it was the FBI that said it. The FBI told her that. But the the interesting thing was there was, uh, you know, what Comer said is not what Raskin said. Comer was saying you know, somebody's lying, either Raskin's lying or Comer's lying about what happened in that meeting yesterday or two days ago. So we'll get to that coming up because the Republicans should be very clear on it. And if Raskin's lying, they should say he is lying because Comer's saying the investigation's still going on. Raskin's saying there is no investigation. They've done the investigation and it's over with. Raskin's saying, and, and is that they couldn't find anything. Comer's saying the exact opposite. The investigation isn't over. They're still investigating it and they haven't discounted that this might be the truth. They haven't disproven it. Raskin's saying the opposite. Somebody is lying. So when that happens, I expect Republicans to come out loudly and state their point, what happened in this meeting, and to let, though, that whole thing about the inform the FBI said that the informant, uh, that they're afraid for the informant's life because of the Biden investigation they're afraid for the informant's life. That should have been verified by Comer yesterday. And any other Republican, or Grassley, Comer, should have backed that up and said either it's true or not true. And there was nothing on that. So that more coming up. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Front Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has uh, the morning uh, off. All right. So the entire uh, the five million dollar bribe document situation and where this all ends up. Uh, Larry Kudlow on Fox Business News talking to John Radcliffe, former director of national intelligence in the Trump administration about this. I mean, serious, a serious question. Is this an FBI cover-up? This, this could be the biggest political scandal, perhaps, in American history. $5 million bribery from a foreign national, et cetera, et cetera. What do you make of this, John? Well, I think that's why it's getting so much attention. Uh, and you, you see Speaker McCarthy pushing this and saying, look, I'm going to back uh, uh, Chairman Comer all the way, uh, even through contempt proceedings against the FBI director, because this FD 1023 in question, Larry, is important for, for two reasons. One, obviously, if there's veracity to the fact um, that Joe Biden may have taken a $5 million bribe as uh, as vice president, that's a blockbuster and will change American, um, you know, the politics uh, forever. But also, Larry, it's important because how the FBI treated this, regardless of its veracity, is also a story. Because, you know, we're in the midst of one FBI scandal after another where the FBI has put their finger on the scale. In 2016, you know, Russia collusion that didn't, that didn't exist. In 2020, the FBI, you know, um, promoting a lie that the Hunter Biden laptop uh, was Russian disinformation and, and um, meeting with Twitter executives. And so if here you have an instance where the FBI themselves, the FBI director concedes that this FD-23 came from a highly credible source that the FBI has used for a number of years. And if it turns out that it was buried as a whistleblower alleges that it was, 
Um, again, for political reasons, uh, it would just be another scandal and really fuel to the fire about um, how uh, the FBI has been and the Department of Justice has been weaponized one way uh, against one party. Do you think it was buried? I mean, I listened to uh, Jamie Raskin yesterday trying to say that this investigation was pursued under Bill Barr and they dismissed it. But apparently, you know, apparently that is not true. Mr. Raskin, uh, you know, lied through his teeth continuously during the Trump collusion, Russian collusion business. He has no credibility, at least in my mind. I don't think he has any credibility whatsoever. I mean, did the FBI bury this or was the investigation open or why didn't Christopher Wray and Merrick Garland, uh, why weren't they aware of this from day one? Right. Well, Christopher Ray actually refuted Jamie Raskin in the meeting that they had yesterday. Look, um, if if what Jamie Raskin said was true and that Bill Barr looked at this and this the uh, investigation was shut down because it it had no value, then I promise you that what FBI Director Ray would have started out the meeting and he would have said, gentlemen, you look this this even though this form comes from a, a highly credible FBI source that we've used in the past in this case, uh, it has no merit. And we've ruled that out. He didn't say that. In fact, what he said was, I can't let you have it because it's part of an ongoing investigation. So, so he's already refuted what, what, what Jamie Raskin, you know, um, uh, tried to argue there. All right. And that's a, uh, that's a great point that they brought that up, that, that the FBI director uh, refuted it. But when Raskin talked about the meeting yesterday, and this is where I think Republicans that are in office, Radcliffe, you know, isn't in office. This is where Comer needs to come out and say, look, Raskin's lying. This is what happened in the meeting. Because Raskin came out of that meeting and uh, and said, the investigation's over. There is no investigation. Comer's saying the opposite. No, the investigation is continuing. Uh, I, the, the, the point that wasn't answered there is, you know, why do you need to get this form? Is because what difference does, are we only getting the form? Does the form make the investigation advance if you get this form or is the form just the fact that this is a separation of powers argument we want the form give us the form we have authority over we have uh, excuse me um oversight of the FBI it's an unclassified document we want the form if you don't give it to us uh it's you know uh, contempt of congress because they've already said they know it's in the form. So what is the importance of getting the form? Nobody has asked that specific question. Or when he did there, even Ratcliffe answered, because, you know, we need to know what happened. Well, they claim that they already know what happened. I mean, just clarify this stuff up. And if a Democrat says something, well, and if he's lying and you know he's lying, Comer should have been out today. Grassley should have been out or yesterday stating he's lying about this. I just, you know, this is a sore point with Eric and myself. I want better communications and instant reaction. You know, that's what they have. They have, they have the instant reaction experts now that immediately come out on Twitter or whatever. Where are they here?
Hi, I'm Eric Harley. Hey, join me this Thursday through Saturday, June 10th for the 41st annual Shell Rotella Super Rigs at Amplex in Gillette, Wyoming. All the details are at RedEyeRadioShow.com. See, he gets all the fun. Well, I have to stay back here and, you know, work in the coal mine every single day. Eek out a living is what I have to do. All right, I do have my diet soda there. How's everybody doing, huh? No, I really didn't take advantage of the whole live PGA thing to talk about my golf game. <laughs> Not as much as I wanted to. <clears throat> All right, you ready just for a little bit of it? This is how I can sneak, you know, some of my golf stories in. So I started taking lessons four months ago. Why? Because I can't play basketball anymore and I can't play hockey. And I decided, hmm, could I become better at golf? And I just happened to come upon the instructor. He just came up to me one day, gave me a couple of tips. I'm like, eh, I'll take a lesson. I'll take two lessons. I'll take three lessons. Now it's been four months, over four months. And I haven't been able to golf a lot. I don't really have the time to actually golf. I've golfed, I think, twice. But the first time out, my goal was to break 90 consistently. And then maybe in a year, break 80. And the first time out, I shot a 79. I did play the senior tees, though. But I had a 79. I was like, wow. And just really working on the game. But it's really, you know why it's a great experience? Because I haven't been coached in a long time on anything. You know, I mean, I, you just, you know, in, in, in any kind of sport, I haven't been coached. And so it's really interesting, you know, to be paying someone to coach you and they're getting on your case. <laughs> but I love it. You know, it's like I, I, you know, it's like, what's wrong with you today? What's what's going on? Now, just do this. And golf is really hard in communicating what a golf coach is teaching as to how you hit the ball. Uh, you know, it's it gets to be complicated because he can say do this, but your hand-eye and body coordination of how you've always swung can make it, you know, make it hard to do that. And so what I realized is, though, that's why the pros still have swing coaches because you never get it down ever. And I realized as long as I'm physically healthy, I'll probably be taking lessons because you always need – because your body, I mean, you think about a golf swing, your body got so many joints and everything else. But it's great because I hit the ball with confidence and my driver I'm killing. I killed it yesterday. He gave me a couple of tips and boom, just killing it. So really excited. And for me, it's simply the fact that I've always played sports and that's always been a goal of, that's always been a way that I exercise is playing sports. And as I got older, I couldn't play those sports anymore. And it really started about, 15 years ago, when I got, uh, you know, the I got uh, bad uh, uh, back pain and uh, the sciatic nerve. And I didn't know what to do because I couldn't play golf. And this is 16 years ago. So I started resistance training, and it took it away immediately. I mean, within a day, it was gone. And so I work out religiously, and so it helped 
when I was playing basketball and things like that, that was my goal. I would work out. I would swim. I would ride the bicycle, and it helped me play basketball and hockey, where I was still playing a little bit of hockey. And um, so then it just – you can't – you just can't – I can still do it. I could still play basketball, uh, but it's the recovery time afterwards. You, my, the joints just can't handle it. And so I finally had to quit. I think I was 60, 61 where I said, okay, got to – Got to hang it up. I could still play, but it just hurt. You know, you'd hurt for a week. I'm like, what do I do? And so, uh, really, it's been, uh, you know, working out, working out. One of the reasons is because of doing the show. It's a long show that we do, and it's overnight. And I have to be able to sleep. So, I work out. That's my motivation to work out. So right now at, you know, 2.40 central time in the morning, I feel as wide awake and energetic as I would at 2 in the afternoon. That's the goal there. But I just needed something athletic to do where it was competitive and not just recreational. And the one thing with me is my biggest problem in golf and and I've said this many times before, and when I tell it to people uh, who I just, you know, uh, if that don't know me and, you know, we start playing golf together, you get, you know, matched with certain people, and I tell them, yeah, I used to have the rage of a serial killer directed at myself when I could not hit the ball with a stick. And it's really been the only time in my life because the anger was so great. The, not anger, the fury, the rage was so great where it's the only time in my life I said, is there something wrong with you? So uh, when I found, and I could never find the right golf coach, and so when I found someone who could make an improvement in my game, and the other thing is make it so, because that's the other problem I've had the last couple of years is the tightness in my back. That's what happened. I was playing more golf than the last year and a half. I haven't been because of my back. And he went you know, I told him everything, the swing that I have now, and I can swing fully through the club now, and I don't have that tension anymore, and it's wonderful. So everything that I do now, I hate working out. I hate doing the machines. I like swimming the first couple of times, and then it becomes very monotonous. So there has to be a goal to it all. I used to love riding the bike, you know, nice fresh air, everything else. I hate riding the bike now because everything that I do now in exercising – when I was younger, it was like basketball, hockey, whatever. And that was all. It wasn't that I was exercising. There was a goal involved in it. Your goal is this. Your goal is that. Your goal is this. And it was at the end, it was like, okay, I either won or lost. I was either happy or sad. But in that kind of sport, I could get out my, you know, aggression, everything that's that's in there and still have fun. Well, when that stopped, then I actually had to swim, ride the bike, do the resistance training, the weight training, and everything else. I hate it. I mean, I I still hate it every day to do it, but after I'm done, I'm like, okay, like right now, I'm glad that I've worked out this week and done everything because I'm relatively pain-free right now with not on any type of pain medication. I've got a lot of energy, and it's like that's the entire goal here, but there had to be something more, and so the golf is what uh, – 
the 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 golf is what has uh, taken over. So uh, it's really an interesting exper- experience, especially at this age when the coach, my my golf coach, my swing coach, has much more expectations in my golf game than I've ever had. And I realize that's why he's getting ir- you know he'll get a little irritated with me. Just a little. I mean, not it's nothing bad. He's like, "What are you doing? Come on, you can do this. Now, come on, now do this and do this and focus on that." I'm like, wow, somebody's telling me what to do, <laughs> and I'm paying them. <laughs> but I actually love it because I am driven by that. That oh, you really think I can hit the ball better? Yeah, what's going? Yesterday I wasn't feeling that well. I mean, I, but I still went. I always had the chills or something. And I'll go outside. It's hot. I'll go to the driving range. I'll take a lesson anyway, and. And he was like, oh, you're not hitting the ball that good today. And he goes, you are a little under the weather, but he knows my shot that well. And and uh, it's like, okay, do this, do that. You know, come on and do this. And I'll do this. And come on, how many times have I told you? Do this. And then I realize as long as I have him as a golf coach, he's going to be telling me that because every single golf player, even pro, has a swing coach. And every day they're telling them, even if they're hitting the ball good, you think they're hitting good, you can hit better, do this, do that, do this. So I like the fact that until I physically can't do it anymore, I can still be getting better at it. That's, you know, something that I want to do instead of drinking heavily on weekends. (laughs) So there you go. Who was it? Jordan Peterson, who said it. And he was a couple of years ago he said it. And I wasn't ever thinking of retiring when I got to retirement age. I never really thought that because I love what I do. And and working with Eric over the last 18 years, I absolutely love it. There isn't anything I like doing better than this. All right, maybe a great golf shot. Okay, maybe. <laughs> but that means that means there's only pleasure one time every couple of weeks. <laughs> uh but no, I just I absolutely love uh, 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 doing this, and when my retirement age came around, the normal retirement age, remember Eric? He said, "What do you think?" I go, "Nah, I'm staying." And after we signed the last contract, he was like, well, "What do you think?" Nah, I'll stay after this one too. <laughs> it's like I don't see any reason. I don't see any reason to quit. Very blessed, extremely blessed to be uh, to be doing this job. So, uh, all right, coming up here on the show. Uh, the owner of two San Francisco, uh, two, two of San Francisco's largest hotels, pulling out of the city. We'll tell you why. And the Great Migration continues as more Americans flee to Florida and Texas. Wow, this is incredible. Austin, Texas, their net population dropped one. Or excuse me, jumped one point five percent at the beginning of 2023 compared to the same time last year. I mean, you're talking the first quarter. A city actually uh, a, a city actually jumps uh, that high, 1.5%. In what, talking three-month period? That's unbelievable. So we'll get uh, to that story and uh, more. And what, Oh, yeah, we got to get to Chris Christie. You know, I saw it. He did like a town hall where he announced. I didn't like it. I just didn't think it was the right. I just don't think it's the right format to do it in. Just don't. (laughs) No, 
it wasn't as bad as DeSantis's opening on Twitter. <laughs> but it still was like, eh, it you know, it's you you can not you can do a town hall anytime. But to announce, I just I always believe the best thing to do is you want energy. And that means you pack a place. And you you uh, you control your own narrative the entire time, and I think that Christie, by doing what he did, taking questions, you're not controlling the narrative. There's a time and place for that. Just always believe there's nothing like look the the goal of being elected is getting people to vote for you, so you have people there that are excited to vote for you. That's a symbolism I think that you want to put out. You know, maybe it'll change in the future because of technology. Uh, I don't think it did. I mean, that's what we initially heard, Eric and I, when we heard DeSantis was going to do it on Twitter. We went with Elon Musk. We went, why? What is he thinking that we're not thinking? That the social media is a way to do it? All right, we'll wait and see. Because that came so quickly, and then it was such a disaster. It was like, well, no, that didn't work. And maybe, you know, some tried and true things are you announce with thousands of people going crazy with excitement over you, and when you bring up your major talking points, the crowd goes crazy. That's what you want. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off. Here's Chris Christie announcing yesterday. The more divided we are, the more likely we are to be dominated by a single leader. We cannot sit by and watch this happen. I can't guarantee you success in what I'm about to do. But I guarantee you that at the end of it, you will have no doubt in your mind who I am and what I stand for and whether I deserve it. So that's why I came back to St. Anselm's and that's why I came back to Manchester and that's why I came back to New Hampshire to tell all of you that I intend to seek the Republican nomination for President of the United States in 2024 and I want your support. And again, he held a, uh, uh, that was the, the town hall meeting that he held in uh, New Hampshire, not a not again the way that uh, uh, I would start a presidential campaign because you wish to own the narrative and you want a lot more people than were in that room. And your announcement was in the middle of taking questions coming up following the top of the hour. I'll tell you what I thought was really particularly weak in what uh, Christie started, because the thing is, when you're running for president of the United States, you first have to run through the primaries. You can't get elected without winning the primaries. And I thought there was one particularly weak, really weak portion of uh, of his address where he was talking about compromise, that we have to compromise, and we must realize that we must compromise and compromise and compromise and compromise. And I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, the reality is, in all likelihood, unless you dominate Congress and the executive branch, there is some compromising. But that's not on a lot of issues today what Republicans want to hear. Coming up, more on that.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off. Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. All right, yesterday Chris Christie made his announcement. We played that a little while ago. I want to play a few other things that uh, he said, uh, specifically uh, going after Trump. See, because I think what true leaders do is not try to pretend to you that we're perfect because we're human just like you. Because in our country, in our democracy, we are no better and no worse than any of you. We are you. We are you. And if your leaders are not willing to admit to you that they're fallible, that they make mistakes, that they hurt like you, that they bleed like you, and that they suffer disappointments and letdowns, beware. Beware of the leader in this country who you have handed leadership to who has never made a mistake, who has never done anything wrong, who when something goes wrong, it's always someone else's fault, and who has never lost. (laughs) I've lost. You people did that to me in 2016. (laughs) All of you. And I have two of my children here tonight who remind me of that all the time. They said, you're going back to New Hampshire? They beat you. But beware of the leader who won't admit any of those shortcomings. Because you know what the problem is with a leader like that? A leader like that thinks America's greatness resides in the mirror he's looking at. I believe that America's greatness resides out there among all of you and that any of us who get the opportunity to serve are merely temporary stewards of that greatness who just want an opportunity to make it a little bit greater and if you can't admit to the people you want to lead that you're not going to be perfect And if you decide that the people who you ask to come with you to lead will always be the ones who are blamed when anything goes wrong, that they'll be called names, that they'll be dismissed, and that after they leave your service, they're nothing but idiots. Beware. Because that leader not only will not serve you, they will not be able to find anybody who will serve them. And a lonely, self-consumed, self-serving mirror hog is not a leader. And so now we have pretenders all around us who want to tell you 
pick me. Because I'm kind of like what you picked before. But not quite as crazy. But I don't want to say his name. Because for these other pretenders, he is, for those of you who read the Harry Potter books, like Voldemort. I don't know why he's talking about Mike Pence like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Chris Christie and part of his announcement. And it was interesting because you just wonder, we've asked the question, how do you go after Trump? You know, we've talked about it with DeSantis. And, and so what Christie has done is said, okay, I'm a, I'm a human being. We're all human beings. We're your leaders. We make mistakes. Here's a guy that will never admit that he made a mistake. Here's a guy that anybody who has been loyal to him will basically throw them by the wayside once he has used them. I'm not going to do this. And not only is this guy, and it was interesting that he he had mentioned, he did later on, but he didn't mention it all in that time, Trump's name as he was talking about the other people not saying Trump's name. <laughs> uh, but then he went after, clearly he went after DeSantis. I'm like this guy, but uh, but uh, I'm less crazy. Uh, and and so you, under, you, you see where he's uh, going uh, with that now. Now, it was a... It was definitely effective with that small crowd uh, in New Hampshire. I'm assuming that uh, those the the people in that crowd had an interest uh, in uh, you know considering what Christie had to say, which means uh, maybe they have said, okay, we're not looking to we're not looking for Trump uh, anymore. But it was interesting to see how he's going to go after Trump and then how he's going to go after everybody else. Well, they're sort of like Trump, just not as crazy. They want you to believe they're Trump, but not crazy. I'm not Trump. I'm different. Again, none of it is based on the issues, which we we care about here. We care about the issues. Tell, tell me where you stand on the issues. Uh, but it's interesting to see where he's going in attacking Trump. The one thing that I thought was the weakest part of it, he spent a lot of time talking about the fact that, you know, we've got to compromise, we've got to compromise, we've got to compromise, we've got to compromise. Look, everybody understands that if you don't own the House and the Senate and the executive branch, you got to compromise. Otherwise, you get nothing through whatsoever. But I think Christie is wrong in focusing on that at all because eventually you're going to have to compromise. But if you're going to bring up compromise, I think what you say is look at the debt ceiling. Look what compromising gets us. Compromising has got us $32 trillion in debt. That's what compromising has got us. I understand we have to compromise but the fact is, what we need to do so we don't have to compromise is to show the American public just how insane the specifics on the issues of what the Democratic Party believes. And that's what I'll do. That's what I think Chrissy should have said. That's what I'll do. Trump won't do that. DeSantis won't do that. I don't know if they might. I'm just, I'm just saying this is what you say. Won't do that. Uh, what I'll do is I'll explain the issues so the majority of the American public, and this is what we as Republicans have to do, we have to explain the issues because when you look at where the people stand on the issues, they favor Republicans. On the vast majority of the issues, it's landslide. They're not voting for you as a person. Why not? You're not explaining it. We can win on the issues. I, I don't think talking about compromising when you're about to enter a primary from a Republican Party 
that says, okay, where do we compromise on critical race theory? Are only some whites racist? Or are all whites racist? Is it 75% or is it 100? Where's the compromise there? On the radical liberal transgender activist movement, should only some biological males be able to compete against biological females? Where's the compromise? Should only some children be able to make the decision to mutilate their body parts? Where's the compromise? On defunding the police, where's the compromise? Uh, and and so on, on the border, half the illegal immigration are doing it. And so you're looking at a Republican Party that looks at it and says, where do we compromise in these, 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 these issues? On the debt. You just saw it right now on the debt. Okay, everybody's petting themselves on the back. And we said it's not going to do anything. But it's a step in the right direction. Yep. You've got one million step, steps to climb, and you just climbed up step one. Uh, with nothing to say that you might not come down five more steps in the next year or so. And so that's where, uh, again, I think you need to, yeah, he needed to communicate better on it. I don't like how he did it. I don't like the fact you don't, I don't think you announce it at town hall. You make it big. If your goal is to win, then, hey, say the same things but have 2,000, 3,000 people in a small auditorium going crazy over it. It was just way, I thought, way too mellow. You want excitement. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't hold the next day that he doesn't do this or the day after that and continue to do these things. I'm saying the kickoff, you don't do this. And it was pretty long, too, before he made the, you know, before he actually made the announcement. And so it was like, okay, 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 we're going to get through this or uh, or what? Because, uh, again, there was no, to me, there was no sense of excitement or anticipation. And that's what you wish to create. And so the, that's the question. Why is he running? Why? So we will see where this all goes, but uh, who else now? Pence is in. He's in. Anybody else there on the sidelines? Who else is talking about running? Eh, maybe another maybe another governor will get in, Republican governor. But I think probably the majority of it is uh, set now. The interesting thing is, will there be debates? And if there are debates, will Trump show? I mean, there's still a lot to go on. If there's more indictments, who knows where this thing leads at this point? I mean, more indictments of, of Trump and, uh, you know, at this point, we don't know. The last indictment didn't hurt at all. The next indictment Republic, it may even strengthen him more where Republicans look at it and say, yep, they're going after him. Didn't go after Hillary, not going after Joe Biden. That, you know, there's two levels of law enforcement in this country. One for Donald Trump and one for Democrats. And with all everything that's come out about the FBI, everything that's come out, we know about Russia collusion. Oh, even John Sununu was just blasting Jen Psaki 
on the whole thing. She's still promoting Russia collusion. And so when he made the slam dunk argument, she couldn't respond to him. She simply said, well, you know, Russia had an influence. That's not the point. The point is you claimed Trump colluded with the Russians to hack the election. You're changing the topic. I'm telling you right now, I mean, I just, I, I would never want to be a politician, but man, I'd love to be in a way just to pound on them every day, every single day, and not in a, in a way that is viewed as over the top, just make point by point by point by point by point and look them in the face and do it. Because you can win every argument right now if you're a Republican. You can win. You can win. The polls show you can win on every issue. Every major issue. There may be an issue you can't. The only one that might be close to a tie, and if you keep people out of it and just ask people where they stand on abortion, where that might be 50-50. But the majority of Americans believe that what the Democrats believe in abortion up to birth, they don't believe in that. So you can even tear apart the arguments there. And so will they do it? I don't know. Eric and I look at the whole thing with the Biden uh, $5 million bribe document and Republicans are disseminating information horribly right now on that one. Both Eric and I were ticked off last night about it and 24 hours goes by. I'm still ticked off now. I'm like, guys, this is a slam dunk. Pound on it. You know, communicate with the American public. Don't let things hang out there for 24 hours. If the informant, if the FBI, you know, uh, uh, informant, or if the FBI says they're scared for the life of the informant and one member of Congress does it, the leadership of the Republican Party should be talking about this is how bad things are. And they were completely quiet on it yesterday. Why? I don't know why. And I, granted, Eric and I are nitpickers on this. We've always been. But politics is about communicating the message effectively. And when you own almost every single major issue and you still don't pound on it every day, because the Democrats learned, pound on a lie every day and you can convince a lot of people that it's true. Pound and intimidate and tell people a biological male can be a biological female and you'll get a significant portion of the population that might agree with you on that, even though it's a complete lie. And they know it's a lie when you started pushing them on it. But they eventually buy into the narrative. Well, why don't you try that with the truth? Pound on the truth day in and day out. Hey, it might work. 866-90-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. When driving, you need to manage the space around your vehicle so that there's enough space to allow you to adjust when traffic conditions change. The space ahead of your vehicle is the most important and one of the easiest to monitor and adjust as needed. One rule of thumb is to allow at least one second for each 10 feet of vehicle length at speeds below 40 miles per hour. At greater speeds, add an additional second. It's impossible to keep other drivers from tailgating you, but there are some things you can do to make it safer such as increasing your following distance, avoiding quick lane changes, and slowing down. There are also several things you should do to ensure that there is plenty of space between the side of your vehicle and other vehicles. Don't hug the center line, avoid hugging the right side of the road, 
and avoid traveling alongside other vehicles in strong winds, especially crosswinds. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off. Uh, this is really interesting. Uh, the headline is uh, Great Migration Continues as More Americans Flee to Florida and Texas. Uh, the exodus is continuing from high tax states. A growing number of Americans are migrating from predominantly blue states with steep taxes like California and New York to red states with lower taxes like Florida and Texas, according to a Bank of America analyst note that is based on aggregated and anonymous internal customer data from Bank of America. We constructed near real-time estimates of domestic migration flows and found that pandemic migration trends are not reversing, the analysis says, since the first quarter of 2023. The data suggests that cities saw a large influx of people during the pandemic have still been growing faster than other cities in recent quarters. Uh, among the top 23 metropolitan areas in the country is Austin, Texas, saw the biggest influx of people during the first two years of the pandemic, as well as over the past four quarters. The net population of the Texas capital jumped by more than 1.5% at the beginning of 2023 compared to the same time one year ago. Now, I don't know. I mean, this this may be new numbers from the beginning of 2023, I know that the Dallas-Fort Worth area overall for numbers has been leading. I mean, it's incredible. I moved here to the Dallas-Fort Worth area 23 years ago, 23 years ago last month. I think the population has grown of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I think, I know it's over 2 million. It may be closing in on two and a half million people. To put that into perspective, every 10 years, just this city growing by a million people. Or this metro area. It's more than Dallas-Fort Worth. There's more, there's, I mean, there's, it's, it's more than one city. That is, that's unbelievable. In the two-year period from 2020 to 2022, Austin's population grew by 5%. Tampa, meanwhile, is growing fast. Saw its population grow by just a little less than 1%. We're just at the beginning of June, so this is really like the first quarter. In three months, almost 1%. These are mind-boggling numbers. More on this coming up.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off. Yeah, so looking at this uh, article, Fox Business, about the uh, Bank of America analysis uh, on the data that they, they on, based on aggregated and anonymous internet customer data as to what's happening with domestic migration, where people are moving in this country that have uh, found out that uh, since the first quarter of 2023, the data suggested cities that saw a large influx of people during the pandemic have still been growing faster than other cities in recent quarters. And they talk about, I mean, I, I read these numbers and I read the percentage numbers and went, you got to be kidding me. Among the top 23 metropolitan areas in the country, Austin, Texas, saw the biggest influx of people during the first two years of the pandemic, as well as over the past four quarters. The net population of the Texas capital jumped by more than 1.5% at the beginning of 2023 compared to the same time a year ago. Okay, that was a year then. I read that wrong the first time. I thought they meant that in the three months in the first quarter that it grew 1.5%. No, that was a total population in a year jumped 1.5%. That makes a lot more sense. Okay. Uh, in a two-year period from 2020 to 2022, Austin's population grew by 5%. Tampa, Florida, meanwhile, saw its population grow by a little less than 1% in 2023, compared with a more than 2% increase the previous two years. Orlando, Florida also notched a spot in the top three with similar growth rates to Tampa. Neither Texas nor Florida have a state income tax. Bank of America data suggests Baby boomers are relocating to Vegas and Tampa, while millennials prefer Austin, the analysis said. Both groups are leaving the larger cities of San Francisco and New York. A growing number of Americans are migrating from predominantly blue states with steep taxes like California and New York to red states with lower taxes like Florida and Texas, according to the Bank of America analyst note. Other cities that saw positive growth rates include Cleveland, Dallas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Houston, Phoenix, Vegas, Philadelphia, and Atlanta. On the other end of the spectrum, San Jose, California, saw a large outflow of people over the past few By the way, when they say that, I think they mean the metro areas, just so you know. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, San Jose, California, saw a large outflow of people over the past two years. In early 2023, the city's population slid by more than 1%, following nearly a 4% decline in the previous two years. San Francisco, plagued by a spike in property crime, likewise experienced a drop in population with a more than 1% drop. Did, I'm reading this. I got. I had to read it a second time. Uh, San Francisco, uh, plagued by a spike in property crime, likewise experienced a drop in population with more than a 1% drop in the first three months of 2003. 
That's unbelievable. And more than a 3% decline from 2022 to or 2020 to 2022, according to the California Department of Justice's Criminal Justice Statistics Center. Wow. So during the pandemic, in two years, they dropped, San Francisco dropped their population 3% in a three-month period. I, I've got to read this again to make sure it's right. <laughs> With more than a 1% drop in the first quarter of 2023. Wow. And now I sound like John Kirby. Wow. <laughs> New York City posted the third largest population decline, losing about 1% of its population in early 2023 and 3% the prior two years. That means that people moving out of New York and San Francisco is accelerating since the pandemic. New York and California have some of the highest tax burdens in the country. Uh, the findings from Bank of America echo Census Bureau data released earlier this year that indicated Republican-controlled states saw an influx of residents in 2022. Florida saw the biggest rush of new residents uh, with 319,000 Americans relocating there in 2022. That amounts to a population increase of nearly 2%, well above the 0.4% national growth rate re uh, recorded in the United States between 2021 and 2022. Other red states that led in population growth, Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, Arizona, and Idaho. The population shift paints a clear picture, said the policy, uh, said uh, Janelle Fritz, a policy anal uh, analyst at the Nonpartisan Tax Foundation. People are leaving high-tax, high-cost states for lower-tax, low-cost alternatives. Three of those states, Texas, Florida, and Tennessee, do not tax regular income, according to a separate analysis from the Tax Foundation, a group that advocates for lower taxes. On the other end of the spectrum, New York and Illinois saw the biggest population declines. California, New York, and Illinois saw the biggest population declines in 2022. California saw its population tumble by more than 343,000 people in 2022, although New York had the overall largest decline in population with a 0.9% drop. The census data and these industry studies cannot tell us exactly why each person moved, but there is no denying a very strong correlation between low-tax, low-cost states and population growth. The analyst said, with many states responding to robust revenues and higher state competition by cutting taxes, these trends may only get larger. That's, I mean, that's one of the questions that Eric and I have, have, have asked. Is this, you know, where does it go now? Because you've got to the point where the, on the federal level, the debt has gotten to the point of causing the inflation that we see today. And uh, I don't know how that continues because the public understands that. The public understands now, you know, what the, the debt is, which is why, uh, even though it wasn't a great deal, 
That's why Biden had to negotiate. We went through those polls. People understand we've got to cut. Now, the majority of Americans believe all we have to do is uh, cut foreign aid and wasteful spending and the whole problem solved. That's incorrect. There's a wake-up call coming for the for Americans to think that because both the majority of Republicans and the majority of Democrats think that. More Democrats and Republicans, but still, it's a majority for both. And that's untrue. There are hard decisions to be made. The other problem is you have states like New York, Illinois, and Chicago that are losing people. And they're losing people of great wealth. And since they have such a progressive income tax, the taxes, so much of their taxes come from the higher incomes. When those people leave, it hurts even more. And then you have to raise taxes on the middle class in order to provide all the benefits that you wish to provide. When you see, for example, just to put this in real numbers that are easy to understand, Florida now has a couple of more million people than New York State. Their state budget is less than half of New York State. So you've got New York State. Remember, when Governor Cuomo came in, he was against the millionaire's tax. He said, you don't understand. If they move, they're providing, I forgot what it was, like over 40% at that time that he was talking about it. Over 40% of the income comes from, you know, a couple of thousand people. If they leave, you're doomed. And that's where these states are right now. And these these are the states that are also talking about the insanity of millions of dollars in reparations that would cost hundreds of billions of dollars. And in some cases, and on the federal level, trillions of dollars in reparations that aren't ever going to happen. And so now you have states competing against each other. You know, you see the growth of companies here in in in, uh, in Texas. You see how much land Texas still has. You know, it's... <laughs> Texas is a big place. You ever drive across it? Texas is a very, very big place. You know, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll say, you know, driving from the, the uh, uh, northeast part of the Metroplex down to the southwest part of the Metroplex probably is almost 100 miles. And you go through, there's times you're going through suburb after suburb. After, you're like, my God, there's overpopulation. And then you get about 10 miles outside of the major metro areas. And there's nothing for hundreds upon hundreds of miles. It's really amazing how much land there is here. So there's a lot of land. It's cheaper. You can build a house here. I was watching on YouTube a couple of weeks ago. It was a local TV station in California that followed nine people that moved to Texas from California. They were all happy. Now, some of them said, it's too hot. <laughs> Which, if you're coming from the climate of California, yeah. <laughs> the the summers, and, and that's going to be a wake-up call to the millennials moving to Austin. We're moving to Austin. <laughs> it gets a little hot during the summertime. Even pre-global warming, it got hot during the summertime. <laughs> and a lot of people aren't used to it. Now, I come from Buffalo, and I, you know, I, I love the heat in Texas. 
Now, I wouldn't want it all year round, but when you think about it, it really isn't that much of the year. The, the, the climate in Texas, from somebody who grew up in Buffalo, the climate in Texas is, to me, actually wonderful. It's starting to get hot like next week. We're supposed to hit 100. And so that'll be the middle of June. Eh. Really goes to the end of August, maybe the first week of September, and then it's back into the 90s. Then the humidity isn't bad, and, and then it gets to be nice. And then really from the middle of September all the way till the middle of June. It's a very, I think, moderate-tempered climate. It's a wonderful place uh, to be. And you, and you do get a little inkling of the four seasons here. And it's funny because I lived in Florida. I love Florida. Uh, but I would rather live in Texas. I would rather live where I live right now in the lake that I live that has rolling hills here that reminds me a lot of where I grew up than seeing palm trees every day. Not that I don't love going. Everybody knows I love visiting my buddy Jerry and his wife in, in Tampa and Tarpon Springs and that area there. And I just love it because I love, I actually love where you get to the part of where of Florida where it's more swampy. I love swamp Florida. I love Bayou, Florida. I love the beaches, but I lived in the beach for three years. I had my fill of that. But I would still rather live here in Texas. Uh, and everybody has their, this isn't a competition. It's just personal preference. Uh, but uh, I just, uh, uh, and it's funny because people say when you retire, uh, are you going to move back to New York? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. No. I'll visit, but no, I'm not moving back to New York. I'll still stay a Bills fan, but I'm not moving back to New York. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carly. He has the morning off. I'm Gary McNamara. I don't. Uh, <laughs> does that sound bitter? <laughs> I don't have the. I don't have the morning off. He does. Um, looking at the population thing here, you just you know you wonder. Okay, how does that affect what's you know going on? What's going on in the cities? And this story we'll have for you coming up following the top of the hour. The owner of two of San Francisco's largest hotels pulling out of the city and said the path to recovery remains clouded. And, you know, you look at, and I've told you, I lived in Portland, Oregon. I, I love living in Oregon. I love Portland. You know, I love the people there. Not all. <laughs> what? Not all. <laughs> Are you a Portland phobe? No. No, I mean, I loved, love living in Portland, just loved uh, living there. And um, I see what's happening in that city, and you're like, when does it recover? How does it recover? And if you got to the point of, of the insanity of liberalism overtaking these cities where it's not going to reverse for decades upon decades upon decades, because how do you do it when you build up, you know, such a, you know, such a huge state budget with so many social services where people who actually pay the taxes start moving out. What do you do at that point? When does the circle of destruction stop? I don't have the answer. 
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're gonna pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.